Well, I know we've been in this series. I hope you all have enjoyed this wonderful series talking about heaven. And uh, how many of you uh, were here last week when I did the illustration on eternity? And uh, I want you to, go, I don't know where it is, go share it because you need to remember this is just a short time here, everybody. But what you do here counts to what happens in that eternity, amen? So uh, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. Um, this is not my final message on, in the series. Next Sunday will be my concluding message in the series called Wonderful. But today, although this is not the final message, I want to talk to you about your final exam. Because there is a Christian's final examination. And I want to talk to you about this because it is very much connected to eternity and what you'll experience when you enter into permanent heaven. Even those that are in the present heaven have not yet had this exam yet. All of us will have this exam. And so the Apostle Paul talks about this, and this is a wonderful exam, okay? Don't, don't start getting nervous and sweating because you got a test coming. But 2 Corinthians 5.10, the Apostle Paul says this. He's talking about what we do as believers here on this earth, getting prepared for permanent heaven. He said, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. He is talking not to the unbeliever. He is talking to anybody who claims Jesus Christ as Lord and believes and follows him. He says, all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. This is your final exam as the Jesus Christ follower. You will have it. Now, I know when you talk about final exam, some of you, that is the two words I dreaded when I was in school, is final exam. I dreaded it. And I was like a lot of those other kids because I wasn't prepared for the final exam. And you could always tell who had not studied for the exam. You know how you could tell? You didn't need the word of knowledge. All you had to do is look for those kids that were looking around to see, find somebody who they thought did study for that exam looking around. Well, this one, you won't be able to cheat off pastor. You won't be able to, you won't be able to cheat off your great papa, who was a great Assemblies of God preacher in the Assemblies of God, and your great, great grandma who went to China as a missionary. You can't cheat off their page. You can't cheat off your mama, your daddy. You can't cheat off if your leader, your small group leader. This is your test. And there's one final exam for the Christian, the judgment seat of Christ. Now, don't confuse this. Because if you remember our timeline, how many of you still have that timeline that we did, Revelation? At the end of it is the great white throne judgment. That is not for you. The judgment seat of Christ is for the believer. And when you read about it, you'll study it in Revelation chapter 20, chapter 20, Daniel chapter 7. And you will see that is the final judgment of all unbelievers who rejected the lordship of Jesus Christ. Reject it. What nothing to do with, do not want to follow him. And the Bible talks about that time when Jesus Christ, that is when the resurrection of the unrighteous dead will occur. Their bodies, they won't have glorified bodies like us. Their bodies will be yielded up 
They'll be joined back together. And after that great white throne judgment, they will be cast in the lake of fire. And that's what is called the second death. They might have died once. They're dying twice. And that's, that's a horrible thing. But how many know we, we, we like talking about something more wonderful than heaven? Amen. So this is not for, that is not for you. The great the judgment seat of Christ is the one that's for you and for me. So after the transformation, we're going to have an examination. And the Bible teaches that after the resurrection of the saints, after the rapture of the church and the rapture of the survivors here on earth that still alive, there's going to be a reckoning for God's servants, you and me. There's going to be a reckoning. Every Christ follower will have to give an account of how they live their life following Jesus Christ on this earth. Remember that little piece of red time? That's what every believer is going to be judged upon. How they treated their life following Jesus Christ. And will be judged as stewards of what God gave us and servants like Jesus. That's how we'll be judged. And when Paul talks about it, he says we must all stand before the judgment of Christ. It's really interesting the word that he uses, judgment of Christ. In the Greek, it's the word bema, B-E-M-A, bema. And it literally meant, uh, it, it meant an elevated platform. So what he was taking this from was the Olympic Games of that time when there would be competing athletes. The judge would sit up high, elevated, and he would observe all of those in the competition, and then the victor's wreath would be placed on the victor, and of course it would fade in days. But they were looking down and he was judging how they perform. And Paul is simply saying, just as those athletes were being watched by an earthly judge, he said, we as believers, and he said, he, my, he said myself, he said, I am being judged by God now, and he's watching me, on how I run this race and how I run the race as a believer will determine how I'm rewarded as a believer. And how many know God will be the judge? Look what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. He said, it is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. Not Pastor Sam, the Lord himself. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns. You know, <laughs> I watch enough Christians on Facebook that some of y'all need to button it. Because he says you're doing exactly what he says don't do. You've made a decision on who's doing it right, who's doing it wrong. I, I mean, I watched a social media post the other day, and I thought this guy, I couldn't believe what the guy said, and I'm just going, you're, you're going way too soon. Now, I understand calling out erroneous doctrine. I understand dealing with sin issues. I get that. But there are some people that are judging people on whether what they're doing is right or wrong. He says, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it for the Lord's sake. You let God handle all that stuff. It says, watch this, for he will bring our darkest secrets to light and reveal our private motives. That means stuff we never told or said to anybody. This is the reason why when you're dealing with sin, I'm really discovering this. What you uncover now God will cover by the blood and the grace of Jesus. But what you choose to cover, God will uncover for everyone to see. Selah. He says, then God will give each, each one whatever praise is due. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to prepare you for the exam. Aren't I a nice guy? 
I want to give you, I want to kind of help you, I'm going to give you the answers to the test, okay? Now, you can't study for it, you can't cram for it, but I want to I show you. Now, remember, the difference with this final exam uh, is, is this. Okay, let me just help you put you at ease. You're going, well, will they kick me out of heaven? The difference with this judgment seat of Christ, this final exam, is you can fail the exam, but you can't flunk out. What, what I'm saying is, is that you will know your grade on your exam, what you'll get, but they won't kick you out of the school. So what I'm trying to say is your exam does not concern salvation. Your exam is based on your service and your stewardship when you claim Jesus Christ as your Lord. What did you do if you're going to carry the name Jesus Christ? How did you treat your service? And how did you treat your stewardship of what God gave you? And so we choose to, and when we choose to follow Jesus Christ, he takes away our sins. That's done. That gets you into heaven. You can't flunk out of the place. But what you do for God right now requires God's evaluation. And everyone will be evaluated and everything will be revealed. So I want to get you ready for the exam, okay? So I got two things that I want to give you here, okay? First of all, it's the review for all Christians. All Jesus followers will face this review. Now look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 10, starting there. He says, because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. We're building on the foundation. No one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. That's done. Jesus Christ is what we're building on. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, and he lists them. Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or stubble. Those are the products that believers are using. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. Fire will show if a person's work has any value. So all of those items, gold, silver, jewels, and then wood, hay, stubble, all of that, fire's gonna come to it, and you can now already imagine which one of these, which of these products will perish and which will survive, right? So every day, every day, you and Pastor Sam, we're building a life on that which will either last and survive the fire when we have that exam, or it won't last and it'll be torched up. And we thought, yeah, but I thought I. He says that day's gonna happen. So I'm either building with stuff that has permanent materials or I can choose perishable. Three of them are permanent, three of them are perishable. And he says, you need to pick those materials. And watch this, the materials represent believers response to what they have. God is not going to judge you for something you don't have. He's going to judge you for what he has given you. And the problem with this in the body of Christ is we don't do our service and our stewardship because we don't think God has adequately given us the right supplies to build and we're going to make a lot of excuses. Well, I didn't have it like Pastor Sam. If I'd have had the money, if my parents would have been this, do you know what? I have come to the conclusion 
that God always asks you not for what you don't have, but what you possess. And it's shocking when you'll use what you possess that he's given you instead of complaining about what he hasn't given you. Oh, my friends, he'll make something happen so powerful. I had this great leadership meeting this weekend with our, uh, this, this week with a, a group of people out of the church. I have a leadership class and it's really incredible, but it's so interesting that when Moses came, was called to take the people of Israel out of the bondage of 400 years of slavery in Egypt, God told him, I want you to go to Pharaoh and I want you to speak to him and I want you to tell him, release God's people so they can go and worship. And he said, God, I can't. And he says, why can't you? He says, because I'm not eloquent of speech. I have, I'm not eloquent of speech now, and I have it in the past. He said, in fact, I stutter. And he said, God says, of all the things he wanted him to do, what does God want him to do? The thing he is horrible at, and that's speaking. Go talk. And God says, use the thing you're lousy at. And God looks at me and says, who made man's mouth? Who made him mute? Who made him mute? Who made him deaf? Who made him to hear? Who made him to speak? It's me. He says, and now I will be with your mouth, is what he said. Your inadequacies. And he says, but Lord, what will I do? And God says, well, what do you have in your hand? And God gave him a stick. And I want you to use this stick. And you're going to overthrow the most powerful army in the world. With what? A stick. And God said, what do you want to do with that stick? He said, throw it down. And that thing became a serpent. And every miracle of God that God did to part the Red Sea, to destroy Pharaoh's army, to bring the plagues happened while he stretched out that staff. And God said, he says, what am I going to do? God says, use the stick. Yeah, but I don't have an army. I don't have military strategies. We, we don't have state-of-the-art weapons. Use your stick. And that's what's happening with a lot of believers. Some of you are not doing anything in service and you are going to be embarrassed on that day because you're saying, I can't sing like them and I'm not popular like them and I can't, get any, I, can't, I can't make any ground on social media and I haven't made the money they make. I don't have the looks they have. I can't prophesy like them and I can't sing like them. And God said, I, did, I gave you a horrible voice, but let that voice sing anyway and watch me do something more powerful with your voice praising me than theirs that is so beautiful. He said, just throw out your song. And some of us aren't seeing Red Sea's part because you won't even throw out what God's given you. The shtick. Yeah, but I don't have the money like so-and-so. And I got like so Look at the clothes she's got. She's going to give in the offering. Look at me. I, don't, I can barely make ends meet. I mean, I, I eat pork and beans. So I'm not going to give anything. And God says, would you take that dime in your pocket and throw it down and watch me do something so supernatural, but it will not until you use what you have. It's not going to happen. Forget it. Everybody's got something. Throw it out. But that's the way he does things, folks. That's the way he does it. He's using sticks and he's using stones, and he's using slingshots, and he's, he's, are you hearing me? He's using the jawbone of an ass to kill a thousand Philistines, and some of you have a more problem with me saying ass than you are not using what you got. Seriously. When God does things, come on, all he does is he sends, can you think about this for a moment? He's using mud 
and spit and he uses what he has. He takes just a piece of bread and a fish and he uses what he has. He takes one little bitty thing and there are so many of us that are not seeing God reward us now because you are still making excuses. Well, I don't have the time like they do and I don't have the energy like they do and I have the money like they do and I have the looks they have and they're more spiritual than me. Would you just take the stick that's in your hand and watch God do something as you release it to God? Just do something with it for crying out loud. Well, I'm only 13. Do something with it for crying out loud. I'm so tired of the excuses from people. And I'm the tired of the excuses I use on myself. What is in your hand, Rife Kogel? Throw it down. And watch some great things happen. Oh, Jesus, help me. Because this will be about stewardship. See, the reality is, is when you're the owner, you think it's worthless or you think you control it. But here's the deal. God is the owner, and we are the stewards of what he's given us. So what's that mean? Here's the deal. The owner has the rights. If you own a company, your employees don't have the rights you have. The owner has the rights, but the stewards have the responsibility for what the owner places in their hand. You are holding the people that you supervise responsible for what you put in their hand. You have the rights, but stewards have the responsibility. So guess what? Everything that I possess, my breath, my mouth, my clothes, my money, my joy, my attitude, God has given to me. I must steward this. Before, How many understand what I'm talking about here just for a moment? So stewardship, stewardship is the use of God-given resources for the accomplishment of God-given goals. God says, I have a goal. I have a desire that all men and women might know me. All children might know me. And so God has placed things in your hands and my hands. He's given me time. He's given me talents. He's given me treasures. And God says, there's going to be a count, Rife Kogel, of what you did with what I put in your hand. Not for what I didn't give you, but what you possess. Your time, your talent, your treasure, your attitude. How did you use it? To promote the God-given goal of people knowing me. And we live with it for eternity. Wow. You know, people say, well, how, do I, how can I test it, Brother Sam? There's a lot of ways you test to ask other people because you may not think you have a talent to give. Somebody else identifies it. Or I tell people, here's what you really want to do. Just read your bank statement and it'll tell you the priorities of your life. Really, your bank statement is your life story. It shows you what you spend your goals on, your priorities, your convictions, the relationships. Just go through. Look what you spend it on. Don't tell me how much you love Jesus. Just see what you did with your bank statement. Have you ever noticed in the government whenever they suspicion fraud? You know what the first thing they say? When, when, they, when they suspicion fraud in a company, organization, or with a politician, do you know what they first say? You know what they do when they, when they find fraud? They say, follow the, the money trail. Because it doesn't lie. Follow the money trail. I believe the same things with God. <laughs> you want to find out where they really are? Just follow the believer's money trail. He said, that's pretty bold for you to say. Well, Jesus said it. Pick a fight with him. 
Matthew 6, 21, he says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Don't you hate it when I throw the Bible in? <laughs> it just blows everything, doesn't it? So he starts talking about gold and silver. What is this? Gold and silver and precious stones represent something, and what he's saying is they represent lasting rewards, eternal rewards. He said they will stay with you for eternity, 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 and just about the time you think you get to the end of the rope of eternity, there's still more eternity left. It never runs out. And so what is that gold? That goal is spiritual service. It stands for spiritual service. It's when we were directed by the Holy Spirit. It's not service that's achieved by our might or our ability or strength, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's something when we listen to the Holy Spirit and then when we accomplish it, we know that it was the Holy Spirit that set that meeting up. It wasn't my networking. It was the Holy Spirit setting the meeting up. <clears throat> It's what I knew that I accomplished was through the power of the Holy Spirit that God's given me talent. That reward is for spiritual service. Things we did when we were led by the Holy Spirit and we did it and we felt that little nudge in our heart to go do something, to pray for somebody, and we did it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Kind of like what happened a moment ago when you were laying hands on someone and you said, I've never prayed for anybody and put my hands on anybody, but you felt the Holy Spirit say, put your hand on the shoulder of that man and pray for his healing, his miracle. You followed God and it's God's responsibility that it's not by your might, your power, but by his spirit. He did some miracles in their life today. Are you following me? That's gold service. Silver stands for sacrificial service. When you look in the Old Testament, silver was associated with the atonement, with the redemption of mankind. So what is silver? Silver represents things that we did to bring people to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Whether it's giving to a missionary, giving to GR1 uh, Global, or, or, or becoming a hero, becoming a hero, doing something to help the Word of God, just a testimony, a witness. That, that, that's things that I did that influence people to come to Jesus Christ. That's the silver. And precious stones are steadfast service. So the precious stones were the symbol of stability. You could count on them. You, they were faithful even when they had their own doubts, when they went through their own times of suffering, but they still clung to the word of God. That, that my friends, is precious stones. Oh, how many know precious stones tell you, express your love? Mm, all the girls are looking down at their ring right now. Amen? Uh-huh. It's kind of like the guy who he wanted to get married, but he didn't have a whole lot of money. And, and so he just he bought this little stone, and, and it was flawed. The guy said, this is all I got. It's really flawed. She won't mind. That's all, you know, I, I'll just get that one. And he was just kind of, she, she, she got the stone, and she looked at it, and he kind of really cut the budget on this one. He, he was so tight, and she looks at it and looks at it. He goes, what do you think, baby? What do you think, baby? Um, kind of small for the kind of income you make. It's a little dingy. See some flaws in that. That's eh, okay. He says, but baby, baby, do you know, come on, love is blind. She said, yes, but it ain't stone blind, let me tell you. This is stability. It exemplifies the love of your heart. Precious stones. Precious stones, that, that steadfast service, it means it's stable. 
It means it's forever, like the diamond. It's forever our covenant between each other. The husband and wife is forever. We're going to stay, we're going to stay committed to each other. Can I tell you, that's what it's talking about, service in the body of Christ. You know what the church needs? The church of the Lord Jesus Christ in America and around the world needs God's people to be sacrificial, stable, and steadfast like a precious gem that does not perish. I, lived in, I was raised in Kansas, everybody. You want to talk about hay? We had lots of hay. You could see haystacks as far as the eye can see. You could see them. I mean, you can see haystacks for miles, for miles. You know what you couldn't see? You couldn't see precious stones for miles. Hay's easy to obtain, quick, get it fast. Stones you can't see, but I'm telling you, God the Father is looking right now as we are in the testing time even now. He's watching right now, and he sees what's hay for Sam, what's wood, what's stubble, and he knows what's precious stones and gold and silver. He's watching. He said that. He said, you know what about that thing? He remember what he said to the Pharisees? He saw them and they get out the Pharisees, the teachers law, they were looking for Messiah but rejecting Messiah. They're praying out loud. They're praying out, God, thank you that I'm not like the sinner. You remember? And then when they gave an offering, ding a ling ling ling, blow their they had little horns, they blow their little horn. I'm giving an offering to help the poor. Boo! I want a plaque. I need a sign. I mean, hey, that's that's all great and everything. But Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. He says, I tell you the truth about these people. He said, That is all the reward they will ever get he said if they wanted the press they want to say they wanted the thank you they want to say yeah you're wonderful he says they got the reward because that was their motivation for doing it he says but when you pray you go away by yourself shut the door behind you and pray to the father in private then your father oh I love this then your father who sees everything will reward you he is watching everything. Now, friends, listen, I'm not saying that you don't say thank you to people, okay? Come on. How many you know God also taught us the art and the spirit of gratitude to say thank you? Not, that's right, you ought to do that because you're serving God and buck up a little bit more. What else you got? No, you say thank you to people. Come on, folks, when they sing good songs, say thank you. If they do something great for them, say thank you. And those of you that receive thank you, if I receive thank you, here's the deal. Divert the praise to Jesus Christ. Couldn't do it if he didn't help me do it. Amen. He can give me the wisdom to do it. Go ahead and receive, say thank you. I receive that. Smell it. It's like perfume. Smell it, but don't drink it. And don't put the whole bottle on for crying out loud. Some of us like to breathe when we get around you. He's watching. There's stuff he's watching in this building. You know how I know he's watching? Because Jesus watched when they went to church. He did. He's watching. You remember that? And he saw a little widow, and she gave two mites. Puts her in the Gospels and doesn't put any big offering other people gave in the Gospels. And why did he do it? He said, because I really know this lady. She's giving out of her sacrifice and they gave out of their abundance. She gave everything. And that's what got in the Gospels. How many know he's watching you and the pastor of this church? Everything. Mm. So that'll be the review for all of us, whether you're the pastor, 
or nobody knows you in this church. We're all going through it, amen? But I want to be at the judgment seat of Christ, amen? Because there are gonna be rewards there. There are rewards for the Christians, and I'm just gonna, let me give you just five real quick. This is real fast. Here, the Bible tells us there are gonna be rewards. There are crowns. In fact, there are crowns that God's gonna give. Did you know that? Crowns. One's the crown of life, James chapter one, verse 12, Revelation 2.10. It's called the martyr's crown. These are the people who remain faithful to God in the midst of suffering, persecution, temptation, and even let their own life, their lives were taken because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were killed, they were executed because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They loved the Lord more than they did their own life. They received that crown, the crown of life. Then there's the crown of glory. I'm looking forward to this one. I hope I get one. It's 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, verse 4. This is for faithful shepherds. People who were pastors, who were elders, deacons, teachers, ministry leaders who fed the flock and didn't lord it over the flock. They knew it was God's heritage and they didn't lord it and they didn't manipulate the people. They just wanted to teach and see them grow. I pray that I get one of those. I'm gonna do my, don't, don't clap now. Let's wait to see if I get one up there, amen. In fact, I gotta give an account for it. Do you know I have to give an account for you as a pastor of this church? Hebrews 13, 17 says, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not sorrow. That would certainly not be to your benefit or for your benefit. Then there's the crown of rejoicing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19 through 20. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. It's called the soul winner's crown. It's for any of you that ever witnessed anybody, prayed with a server, tried to influence them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's for people who wanted to point people to Jesus Christ. And you know what? I pray everybody that is in this church is influencing somebody for Jesus Christ because he said that will be your crown. The crown of rejoicing. Then there's the crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. It's for those who are loving his appearing. It's for those of us in this room in the body of Christ around the world that are saying, Jesus return, Jesus come. We long for your return, and the more you long for your return, guess why it's important? Because you're keeping yourself ready because you know he could come at any given second. That's what that crown is, the crown of righteousness. And then there's the victor's crown. This is the last one to talk about. This is the crown for those who practice self-control over the impulses and the desires that come to our flesh. Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. He says, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will, will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So run with purpose for every, with every step. I am not shadow, just shadow back, boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it, should, what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Here's the deal about all those rewards. I don't think we're all gonna go up there going, wow, nice victor's crown there, Pastor Doug. <laughs> Woo, Sadie, crown of righteousness. <laughs> hey, buddy. Woo, crown of glory. Woo, look at you. I don't think we're going to be doing that. In fact, the Bible tells us we won't. The Bible says we will all look at all of our crowns. And Revelation 4.10 says all of us will take them off. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, 
you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. <laughs> That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna sit there and go, are you kidding me? I'm gonna strut around my little crowd. I'm the king, I'm the king, I'm the king. <laughs> no, you are gonna be so moved that he saved you, that he redeemed you, and he's given you this eternal life. And you're gonna say, God, I can't even wear this crown. I wanna give it to you. You're the one that good. Look, look at all this, look at the setup. Look at, look at the setup we have here. Are you kidding me? Here's my crown, God. Here's my crown. Here's my crown. I don't wanna live with regret. So you're all going through it, every one of us. Whether you're 12 years old in this room, whether you're watching online and you're 96 years old, this is a short time here. And we ought to be asking ourselves, now Lord, as I'm walking this journey in life, what am I doing with my service, the talent, the abilities you've given me, and how can this be leveraged to do one thing? Point people to you. You can't flunk out. Follow me. If you're saved, you can't flunk out. You're not going to hell. You're in eternity with the rest of us. But you will see every reward and you will know your grade. And 1 Corinthians 3.14, I love what Paul says. He goes, God will put fire to it. He says, if the work survives, that builder will receive a reward if it survives. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Can I explain that to you? That's like your house catches on fire and you don't have time to gather any photos, any sentimental things that were given to you by Meemaw, and you run to that house just to save your neck and everything burns down, but you made it. He said, that's what it will be for some believers who do not start looking at what God has given me. Not comparing it to whether it's like somebody else's. You simply obeyed, you used the spit and the mud, you had a couple loaves of bread, you had a few fish, and you used it. All you had was a stick, but you threw it down. And didn't complain, I didn't have an army to fight them off. All I got just stick, throw it down. All I have, God, is a little mud and spit. I got a stick, I got a stone, what am I gonna do with this rock? will throw the rock, and when you let it go, it'll shock you what God will do when you use your obedience to just take what you have and let it go. How many are looking forward to that day when we stand before him face to face? Amen. The final exam. <laughs>